Hello, everyone. Welcome to Prep Talk, the emergency management podcast. Find out what you need to know about preparedness, get all the latest tips from experts in the field, and learn what to do before the next disaster strikes. From the emergency management department in the city that never sleeps, here are your hosts, Omar Bourne and Allison Panisi. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening. I'm Omar Bourne. And I'm Allison Panisi. Thank you for joining us. We want you to come back as often as you can, so feel free to add Prep Talk to your favorite RSS feed. You can also follow us on social media. This episode, we are talking about how preparing, responding, and recovering from an emergency requires the whole community to be included and involved. That's right, Omar. We have three distinguished guests who play key roles in increasing accessibility for New Yorkers, especially when an emergency happens. Please welcome to our show, Victor Khaleesi, Commissioner of the Mayor's Office for People with Disabilities, Jonathan Novick, Outreach Manager for the Mayor's Office for People with Disabilities. And lastly, we have Wally Sabri, the city's Digital Accessibility Coordinator. Welcome to Prep Talk. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Always a pleasure to be here. Commissioner Khaleesi, like the Game of Thrones, which I have to admit I have not seen. We're going to start with you. Now, nearly one million people in New York City self-identify as living with one or more disabilities. How does the Mayor's Office for People with Disabilities work to make New York City the most accessible city in the world? Well, thanks, Omar. I appreciate it. In all cases, it's all about accessibility. And Mm -hmm. as we work to make New York City the most accessible city in the world, we have to be cognizant of the diversity that we have in disabilities. And people with cognitive disabilities, people with hearing disabilities, people with visual disabilities, and people with mobility disabilities. So we really have to prepare for that. And we do that with Accessible NYC. That is our roadmap to making New York City the most accessible city in the world. It focuses on transportation, how we get people with disabilities around Mm -hmm. with our existing infrastructure, education, ensuring that people with disabilities are being educated properly and transitioned from high school into the workplace or into college. We want to ensure that people with disabilities get jobs through our NYC Work Initiative because people with disabilities live in poverty and we need to employ people with disabilities. We need to make sure that healthcare, we have access to healthcare, access to being healthy within our parks and recreation departments. Also making sure that people are connected to housing with our Housing Connect program and the mayor's initiative to increase 300,000 units of affordable housing. And that has accessible housing uh, involved in that as well and access to everything the city has to offer, such as theater, such as access to storefronts, Mm -hmm. and of course, access to emergency management. And our last one we, we focus on is financial empowerment and how do we ensure that people with disabilities know how to be financially empowered. Great. Um, now, people may not know this, but New York City Emergency Management and the Mayor's Office for People with Disabilities work very closely with each other on a number of initiatives, especially emergency preparedness. Commissioner, can you share with our listeners how we prepare the public and nonprofit organizations for disasters? It's really important to have everyone involved. I mean, Omar mentioned it before, the whole community. And getting organizations together, setting up meetings with our resiliency teams, making sure that they know information that's being pumped out, coordinating efforts in every step of the way. So there's lots of different ways that we do that uh, through, through meetings, through outreach, with emergency management, because we can't do this without you guys. 
I, I think emergency management and uh, you know preparing the community can kind of come in waves when you think about it because the emergency happens, but before it happens, how do we prepare people? So you know, making sure that first of all, any kind of communication that uh, goes out to people to the general community needs to be accessible. It needs to contain information that is specific to people with disabilities. So uh, how do you know people who have physical disabilities know where to go? How can they rely on you know accessible forms of transportation to get to shelters, to get to maybe just out of the city in general, maybe to stay with a relative or a family member who is uh, elsewhere in an emergency? So thinking about how folks including people with disabilities, can prepare for an emergency. Then when an emergency happens, um, you know, let's say there's a storm, you know, obviously Hurricane Sandy, or it wasn't, it was Superstorm Sandy, I'm sorry, uh, you know, hit New York City, shelters go in place and, you know, response go in place. So how can we ensure people with disabilities are part of that process? You know, making sure that shelters are accessible, making sure that shelters have proper signage, making sure that the staffs inside the shelter are properly trained to work with people with disabilities, uh, transportation, making sure that there are accessible transportation options. Uh, and, you know, going back to communication, making sure that everyone knows this. And that includes, Everyone, and that sounds silly to say, but you know, for folks who, let's say, are deaf or hard of hearing, they may have difficulty with access to uh, communication. Uh, for folks who are blind or low vision, they may have difficulty accessing information on websites or in traditional, you know, means of dissemination for emergencies. So, ensuring that while this is happening, uh, information that goes out can be interpreted and understood by everyone. It's also important to make sure that the disability community is involved in the process, finding right, right. out what's there. Because we hear a lot of things that go on today that doesn't involve people with disabilities. Decisions are being made without them. We can't have that. Making sure that we're reaching out to our independent living centers, making sure we reach out to our nonprofit organizations and saying, hey, what's going on? Where, what are we missing? How do we ensure that we're included in everything? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And one of the great things that I think that we partner on is not only working on outreach, as, as you know, you both mentioned, um, through our Ready New York program, which helps prepare all New Yorkers for emergencies, but also even working on things like the Access and Functional Needs Symposium mm -hmm. that we host each year sure. um, to talk about ways that we can help, you know, different communities be prepared for emergencies as well. You know, it's really great that we have this cohesive partnership in place. And like you said, making sure that everybody's involved with the process. Now, Jonathan, I want to go back to this because you struck up a really good point. You and Wally have done a great deal of work making technology accessible, particularly multimedia content, and it's incredibly impressive with what you've been able to do. I would love it if you both can share your achievements and how emergency managers in particular can learn from some of the achievements you've had um, in terms of making content accessible. Wally, let's start with you. So uh, John talked about uh, disseminating information uh, and making sure that folks are getting information in, in an accessible format. So um, as the digital accessibility coordinator, my job is to help all the, the city agencies make their digital content accessible. That includes our websites, our mobile apps, our web apps, our electronic documents, our social media, our videos, and anything else digital. Um, in the capacity that I do work uh, with emergency management, uh, I'm, I've worked on improving accessibility for the website. I've also um, worked with um, emergency management, ensuring 
the Advanced Warning System uh, website, which is a, a new website that launched this year, was fully accessible on the first day of launch. Um, I also work with them on their mobile apps, such as Notify NYC, and we're working on improving the accessibility of that, as well as the Advanced Warning System uh, mobile app, which is coming out soon. Um, and uh, things like maps as well. Oh, Wally, actually, could I jump in for a second? I think it might be interesting, I, I think, to get, because you're saying accessible a lot, and there's a lot of things that have been done, but maybe uh, juxtaposing what an, an inaccessible website or app would be, and then how do you bring it into accessibility? Like, what are the barriers that people with disabilities face when, um, you know, obtaining information, and then how do you break those? How do you make sure that those are no longer in the way? Sure. And I'm going to try to not get too technical, right. um, but um, just to take a few steps back, in, in 2016, we did pass a local law 26 of 2016, which requires city agencies to make their websites accessible and also adopt standards. So we have adopted the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines 2.0 AA standards. Uh, and that's uh, an international uh, a standard that has been adopted internationally by many organizations. And what that uh, sort of entails is, you know, we focus on disabilities that affect the eyes, ears, hands, and brain. And so people with disabilities, not all of them, but a lot of them do use assistive technologies such as magnif magnification software or screen readers. And if we don't set up our websites uh, in a way to be compatible with that technology, then that would make them inaccessible. For instance, if you have images on your website, uh, a blind person won't be able to see them. But if you include uh, something called alt text, which is a text description of the, the photo or image, then that information is now accessible. Same with the colors that we use. We need to use colors that have high contrast. Uh, things like font as well. There are fonts that are harder to read than others. Um, keyboard access, you know, making sure that folks who can't use the mouse can also use the keyboard to accomplish everything that every uh, that people with the mouse can accomplish as well. So, you know, those are just some of the, the, the basics that we look for, but it goes beyond that. It also goes to like plain language. How do we write our uh, messaging on our websites and our, um, yeah, how, how do we write the language in our website in a way where it can be understood by a broad uh, population, you know, whether it's just people with disabilities or people with cognitive disabilities, but also we're in New York City where a lot of folks do not speak English as a first language. Uh, you mentioned a great point, uh, Wale, about color contrast. For our listeners, can you uh, give some examples of some of those colors that are uh, more accessible? Well, um, to put it very starkly, you know, white on black is pretty good contrast, or black on white is pretty good contrast. So you want colors that stand out from each other. There right. isn't necessarily a specific combination. It's more about the ratio. So we use uh, testing tools to make sure that the ratio between, let's say, the color of the text and the color of the background um, have, you know, stand out so that the text is easier to read and people aren't straining their eyes or folks who have low vision are, are able to read it. Wonderful. And Good when point. we're looking at digital accessibility as well, we have to ensure, and this is something that Wale has been working on, to ensure that 
everything in the request for proposal process is including people with disabilities. It's not a simple tagline that says you must include accessibility codes and standards, but it needs to be specific about websites and the designs that need to be there. And that's really important because as we move towards an accessible smart city, right, we hear about all the smart city technology, but we want accessible smart cities. And we've done a lot of work to include accessible smart cities, like Link NYC, for instance, has a lot of accessibility features that are built into it. In conjunction with that, we are working to include text to 911. That will be easy for people who are deaf and hard of hearing to be able to coordinate their emergencies. And not only that, but people with speech uh, disabilities and people with domestic violence issues as well. So that's something that we really are cognizant about, about making sure that we have that holistic approach in accessibility in the digital space because it really is the wave of the future and people with disabilities need to be able to access that and access that quickly. Great points, uh, Commissioner Khaleesi. Can I add one uh, one more thing that we've worked on that I think is pretty, uh, pretty cool, in my opinion? Um, mm-hmm. Something that we worked on a long time ago with emergency management, maybe two years now, John? Uh, uh, I'm not sure what you're referencing yet, so maybe. <laughs> um, we, we worked with the video team here to oh, yeah. teach them okay. audio description, and um, they have started putting out videos that are audio described because emergency management puts out a lot of like ready New York videos to help folks, you know, uh, get their go bag ready or, mm-hmm. you know, have a, an emergency plan or um, know what to do when they're in the shelters and things like that. And um, they've been making an active effort to also make audio described versions so that folks who are blind uh, can get a description of what's happening on the screen, you know, like uh, introducing the characters or introducing where it's taking place or important events and actions that happen in the video that you wouldn't be able to know unless you saw, you, you were able to see the video. So I think an interesting uh, brief example of audio description is possibly claiming something that our viewers might not know, which is that actually all of us from the Mayor's Office for People with Disabilities have disabilities, but you might not know that just by listening to our voices. I, myself, am a little person. I have achondroplastic dwarfism. Uh, Victor? I am a person that is sitting in a wheelchair. And I'm blind. Audio description at work. (laughs) Just that simple. And one of the other things that we've, that emergency management has included that's pretty impressive is your sign language Mm -hmm. interpreters that are on every emergency that you put out now and being able to see that and see how far that we have come since Sandy, it's uh, extraordinary. Yeah, and we work really closely uh, with our vendors to ensure that with um, mayoral emergencies uh, in particular, we have a sign language interpreter uh, that is there uh, to make sure that the disability community um, is getting the message as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really cool that like notify NYC message that comes out, there's a video accompanying it of the same message in ASL. That's, that's really impressive, I yeah. think. 
It's been it's been a really great initiative to have that and to incorporate um, the Notify NYC program for our listeners is the city's emergency communications program. And it's made some significant strides. Um, as Wally mentioned, they have an app. Um, the program also has messages available in multiple languages. And now the sign language videos feature subtitles, voiceover and a sign language interpreter to disseminate the message or crucial information to uh, its subscribers. So we really you know, make have been making efforts to make our content more more accessible. And it's thanks to the mayor's office for people with disabilities on giving us the steps in the right direction to make all of this happen. That's what collaboration is all about. Mm -hmm. As they say, teamwork makes the dream work. Uh, Commissioner Khaleesi, this one is for you. Now, how is the mayor's office for people with disabilities involved in emergency planning efforts along with our department here in New York City Emergency Management? Well, we're involved with planning related task forces and working groups. It's really about that. These include disability community advisory panels, advanced warning system, AWS, with that planning, disaster resilience and resource network. We attend accessibility facility working group meetings, and we have been involved throughout the process of developing and implementing the high-rise evacuation plan. So these are all types of ways that we are involved. We are also involved in shelter management to mm -hmm. make sure that shelters are accessible. And that has worked across lots of different agencies, but it's all about that collaboration, which I mentioned earlier. Now, just to follow up, so when incidents like large fires or coastal storms hit New York City, um, how does the Mayor's Office for People with Disabilities get involved in those operations? Well, there's a lot of things, right? First, we want to be able to make sure that we get messages out. Mm -hmm. That's important. We staff the Emergency Operations Center. We ensure that we have a direct line of communication with every agency. We're on the ground. We actually go places and, and, and work with every agency that's affected. And one of the great things that we've been doing is we've instituted disability service facilitators across every agency. By having those disability service facilitators in those agencies, we're able to work effectively with them to give them the tools that they need to do to succeed in making sure their agency is addressing the emergency needs that are there. Now, we've talked a lot about preparedness and response. Can you give us an example of how the whole community approach works in the recovery phase of an emergency? Recovery is important, and we want to make sure that people have the right tools to succeed. One of the recent ways that we've done this is actually setting up family centers for Puerto Rico when mm -hmm. it happened. We set a center up in Harlem. We were out there together with emergency management, A, making sure that every little bit of accessibility was met. Can we get into the place? Can we ensure that the bathrooms are accessible? And once we have that center is checked by us with emergency management, we're ready to go. That means staffing the center making sure that we have Human Resources Administration or our disability service facilitator that's with human resources there. Right. We want to make sure that if it's a buildings department issue, that we have a person in the buildings department that's our disability service facilitator, making sure that MOPD is staffed there, making sure that we have real-time captioning, making mm -hmm. sure that we have American Sign Language interpreters. So that is really the whole community approach that we have and making sure that agencies have the right people, making sure that we're staffed there, making sure that emergency management and MOPD are consistently talking to deliver the appropriate services 
for the appropriate time. And on top of that, we make sure that the materials that we bring when we're staffing there are accessible, one, and two, for Puerto Rico, we had them translated into Spanish as well. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. those documents consist of Braille, they consist of uh, color contrast. Color, I mean, yeah. So we make sure that first of all, like the standard documents are readable. They have good contrast. We also make sure that we have a larger version for folks who are low vision. So be 18 point font, something that's much easier to read. And then also Braille. But in addition to that, we want to make sure that they are... um, that there's a digital electronic copy available for those as well. So for somebody who is blind using a screen reader, or maybe for somebody who has a learning disability, has trouble reading, and would prefer the document be read to them, could use a screen reader. So all of these kinds of pieces of information are attainable. And one other thing that's important is to make sure that agencies understand accessibility and disability etiquette. Human Resource Administration has done a lot to really train their staff on what that is. So that's really helpful. And we're starting to do that around all city agencies to make sure that people understand what disability is, what disability etiquette is, and how to address the community as a whole. And the etiquette part is really important because I think we we train people on um, how to interact with people with disabilities because it's more about just making uh, content accessible. It's the human interaction that is key as well. And so these are important points and important tips that individuals need to know and understand when interacting with the disability community. I agree. And I think that um, people that work in the emergency management field are really taking a closer look and doing a better analysis, in my opinion, of what they're doing and to see, okay, what can we do to make sure that we are reaching all communities, um, no matter what their needs may be. So, and I think that, you know, New York City has really, you know, taken a great step in the right direction in order to do that. And talking about taking a, a right step in the right direction, every year New York City hosts the uh, Disabilities Pride Parade. Commissioner Khaleesi, I'm going to let you jump in here and tell our listeners a little about what that entails. So people with disabilities are a big community. And sometimes what happens in the community is we all work to fix our one community. So blind working for blind, deaf working for deaf, wheelchair for wheelchair, cognitive for cognitive. And we forget that we are one big community and we have one big voice. And if we look at movements like the LGBTQ movement, that has been phenomenal and making sure for marriage equality, they came together as one group. Now, I want to ensure that people with disabilities come together as that one group. We're 11% of the population here in New York City. That's like close, what you said earlier, Omar, close to a million people, 928,000 people to be exact. And those are people that have disclosed. We know the number is a lot bigger. So the Disability Pride Parade is to really bring everyone together to speak at one voice to show that we are loud and proud to be disabled and lead with our disabilities and say, hey, we're here. We're not going to agree to subpar standards. We want everything that everyone else has because we're just a person. And that's what's great about the parade. They, everyone comes out, shows their pride. Agencies march nonprofit organizations, independent living centers, and everybody's just there to say, I'm disabled, I'm proud, let's get what we deserve. And emergency management always comes through big and loud (laughs) and proud, and Commissioner Esposito is there, and uh, him and I have uh, a little dance contest. Uh, Last year it was about me raising my foot, and and we had something uh, that was actually portrayed 
in our promotions for this year's yeah. 2018 per- parade. And we encourage everyone to come out. The first year we had about 3,000 people. The second year we had 5,000 people. Last year we had 7,500 people. Wow. And in 2018 we're going for 8,500 to... 10,000. There we go, Johnny. 10,000. We like big just, round numbers. There you go. We do. Yeah. I thought you were going to say 80,000. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure, why well. not? Yeah, we'll put them all in Union Square. It'll be a great time. And uh, <laughs> as uh, I don't, I, I personally don't uh, work a lot on the parade planning, but um, I'm proud of the amount of work that we do put in as, as an agency to make it accessible. Uh, maybe, John, you want to mention a few things? Yeah, sure. I mean, the parade uh, is accessible. And what does that mean? It means that, I mean, the route is fully accessible. We are going to have, we have obviously restrooms, but accessible restrooms. We have music, which is great, but we also have like music specific, like entertainment based ASL interpreters who were, uh, you know, trained to sign specifically to music. So it kind of conveys the expression in a way that traditional ASL wouldn't. We have CART, which is uh, like live captioning. And this year uh, we have audio description. Uh, Wale has been spearheading this, but making sure that the entertainment is going to be uh, audio described. We're um, working with. Uh, uh, partners at DOE, actually. They're going to provide us with the devices and RP on site are going to provide us with a professional audio describer. And we're going to have live audio description for the performances. And one of the things that Wale's been working on lately is to make sure that we have Braille maps. Yep, we have actually tactile maps. So so they're actually... uh, graphics like they're, they're drawn out and uh, we have the parade route and um, where the same kind of information that's on the map where the bathrooms and the fountains are and what the lineup formation is uh, so we're excited about that that's our first time also having these braille maps as well as the audio description for our listeners july is disability pride month is there anything you'd like to add um, I know that there are city agencies that are celebrating in their own way. Some are having public-facing events and some are having events with, internally. Uh, there are, the Department of Finance is organizing a conference on digital accessibility for its employees. And um, the Commission on Human Rights is going to have, uh, is having an event on the 23rd, no, 24th. To, and they're releasing a big document on legal guidance for people with disabilities experiencing discrimination, and as well as uh, the Department of Information, Te- Telecommunication, and Technology is going to be uh, putting out some messaging on the anniversary of the ADA for its employees. And just because it's July and it's Disability Pride Month doesn't mean that you shouldn't be proud, proud about your disability. You should be proud about your disability all the time, lead with your disability, realize that you Disability brings a significant part of who you are and what you can do and what it does to enlighten people that we are part of society. So be loud and proud. Fantastic points by everybody. Thank you all for being here. For those interested in learning more about the Mayor's Office for People with Disabilities and how they make New York City accessible, you can visit nyc.gov forward slash MOPD or call 311. That's this edition of Prep Talk. If you like what you heard, you can listen anytime online or through your favorite RSS feed. Until next time, stay safe and prepared.